tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. My name is Colin Taniguchi. I am a doctor at MD Anderson Cancer Center. I'll bet you got a great microbiome, Kim. Isn't it crazy? One decade, experts say something's really good for you. Then the next decade, they turn around and say, no, not so much. It can actually kill you. Get ready for one of those right now because, you see, medical experts are now saying that antibacterial products aren't good for you. That's right. And you know what's good for you? Apples, for example. You may not know this, but eating an apple can help you prevent or reduce inflammation, cardiovascular disease, and even certain infections. I'm Kim Commando, America's Digital Pro, and in this Commando On Demand podcast, we're going to be talking about foods and cancer. What foods should you be eating that maybe you're not right now that could be cancer-fighting? And also, what's in your gut? It could very well be that the products you think are good for you, well, they're actually wiping out your natural cancer-fighting biomes. All right, so you just sat there and said, what did you just say, a biome? Well, I didn't know what a biome was either before this podcast, but at the end, you're going to be an expert. This podcast is a real eye-opener, maybe even a lifesaver. We'll get started in a moment, but first, we'd like to recognize and thank our partners who help make these Commando On Demand podcasts possible. Okay, welcome back. If you didn't listen to our really great podcast, it was called DNA Detectives. You should look it up in the archives and take a listen because it has everything to do with this podcast. And even if cancer doesn't run in your family, the risks of you getting it are actually increasing. Well, the good news is awareness of foods and something called gut health is actually growing. This doesn't mean that food growers and chemical manufacturers are going to stop mass production so that we can all be healthier. All right, the truth is we're on our own. Preventing disease, preventing cancer is our responsibility. Joining me on this podcast is Dr. Colin Taniguchi. Colin is amazing. He's super smart. He's a researcher. He's an oncologist. He's just an overall great guy, a great person. And he practices at the University of Texas, MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, Texas. Cullen has this impressive background. He's doing a lot of major work with a new form of radiation that cuts down on the side effects and injury to healthy tissue. In fact, we did a podcast about that, too. Anyway, Cullen is waking up the cancer world with a very important discovery about something called gut biomes and how they relate to gastrointestinal cancers. Every once in a while, Colin drops me a note and gives me an update with his latest findings. And I'll tell you, I'm super excited about this. And what's really fascinating and why we're super lucky to have Colin is, of course, you know, he's so busy. But the fact that we have him on this podcast is so special because Colin takes a unique approach when he's investigating probable causes of cancer. He basically begins with a premise, and it's simply that cancer is a dysfunction of the human body. Now, that's juxtaposed to the premise that chemicals alone can save us. So rather than chemicals or technology, he looks for answers within the organic first. And that's where these things called gut biomes come into play. They are certainly organic. They're super important. You may not even know that you have them right now. And that's why it's important that you take care of them. 
So now you've been investigating a mysterious cancer outbreak in Africa, correct? Yes. The last time we spoke, it was just after I had the good fortune to visit Zambia, where I was leading a session to train other cancer doctors there about modern techniques of cancer treatment. And of course, the kind of cancers that are in Africa are a little different than the kinds that we see here. For instance, I think I mentioned that cervical cancer is very common there. Forms of advanced breast cancer are more common, in part because they don't do screening like we do. They don't have pap smears and mammograms. They don't have that in Zambia. And then we also talked about the fact that we had seen a lot of really young folks, young men in particular, getting colon cancer, some as young as 20, wow. getting colon cancer, which was just something I hadn't heard of before. But you may have heard after digging a little bit more, it's actually something that's been trending around the world. And even in the United States, there are more and more young people getting colon cancer, where now actually the American Cancer Society has recommended that colonoscopy screening start at 45 instead of age 50. They dropped the age to five years wow. because of that. Now, we don't know why that's happening. That's something that is no one really has a good explanation of. But one of my hypotheses is that it probably has something to do with our microbiome. Okay. Now, you have to explain what a microbiome is. Yes. So it, it's a big, fancy word, and it describes the ecosystem of bacteria that live within our bodies. So, And these are not the bad kind of bacteria that we think of that cause disease. They actually live with us and help us to be healthy. Um, some scientists might call them a, a fancy term like a symbiont. They are symbiotic with us, that we depend on each other for life. So the microbiome that I refer to is the bacteria in our guts, in our intestines. So in our intestinal tract, um, there are bacteria there that eat the food that we eat, and in return, they produce chemicals that help us metabolize things, that help us get rid of waste. And now we know that this process, these, these little microbes in our gut, control everything from our metabolism to our mood and even our responses to cancer treatments. It's fascinating. You know, when you think about how the body works, it's just amazing, isn't it? I am just in awe of it every day. It makes me excited to come to work and to help patients and do some research to figure it out. It's a uh, just constantly interesting. So in our DNA Detectives podcast, you spoke about a chemical plant that may have contributed to the young African men getting colon cancer. So have you found anything more about this connection between the plant and these microbiomes? Well, that was my initial hypothesis. Uh, but I will say that I haven't had a chance to get back to Zambia. Ironically, I actually got sick from a gastrointestinal infection oh, no. right, right after that. <laughs> oh, you uh, poor guy. Through my microbiome for a loop. <laughs> so that set me back for a couple of weeks. But then um, now I'm, I'm trying to uh, get some grant money to go back to Africa to investigate this link. But it's certainly something that uh, I would be interested in. There, there has to be some sort of new environmental exposure to explain why uh, why this sudden outbreak of, of colon cancer. So that's something I'd like to pursue in the near future. Well, you know, there aren't too many physicians in, I guess you'd say, Western medicine that bring up the subject of gut health, right? I mean, alternative medicine has been speaking about it forever. So now you're an oncologist in Western medicine. You're pretty unique that way. What brought you in that direction? 
thank you for the kind words about that. You know, I've always believed in treating the whole patient. And so, you know, thinking about the microbiome was a natural outshoot of this. But I'll say that the reason that I can study this now and actually that other people are studying it is our DNA technology has caught up to what we've known about these bacteria. That the way that we studied bacteria in the past was that we would take a piece of bacteria, we put it on a Petri dish, and they grow. But really, only the most strong bacteria can grow that way. There are trillions of different types of bacteria within our guts, and only a very small fraction of them can grow on a Petri dish. But now what we can do is we can take a sample from anywhere that we want to know the bacterial content and just extract DNA from it and run it into a machine. And the machine can tell us the fingerprint of every single bacteria that was in that sample. So that allows us to figure out the composition of our microbiome. So it's a very powerful technique that's really only come up in the last five years. And now that we can do it and the cost has come down, you're going to see an explosion of research about this every single year. It's going to be exponential. What's the end game of the research? Is to identify what could cause cancer, to help cure cancer? What exactly? Well, I think the first step is just figuring out how the microbiome changes what it's doing. I think, this again, this is something we've known was there, but we had no way of studying it because we couldn't grow it in a dish. Now we have a way to study it. So the first thing we've been doing that scientists have been doing is just figuring out what do the microbiomes look like in humans? You know, there was a, a sequencing project in a couple of cities, and one thing we found out was that the microbiome of people changes depending on what country you live, what city you live. So people in Houston have different microbiomes than those in Phoenix or Los Angeles Hmm. or New York. That's interesting. So, uh, you know, and whether that affects people's health or cancer incidents, I think that's something we're looking into. So we are just at the very beginning of trying to unravel how the microbiome affects our general health, affects our biology as humans. There's just a lot of things going on right now. It's very exciting. I know people have gone way beyond diet to just try and get their guts back in working order. People are going crazy over probiotics and colonics and fermented foods, doing just about whatever to try and restore healthy bacteria. But do they all work? Is it a scam? Do alternative self-care methods change our odds of getting cancer? And what about those foods I mentioned? Are there certain foods that you should be eating to fight cancer? I mean, we know that apples are certainly good for us. Remember that whole apple a day thing. But what about berries and carrots and broccoli and kale? We're going to get to all that. And of course, Dr. Taniguchi's here too. But first, I'd like to recognize our partners at Stitch Fix because they help make these commando on-demand podcasts possible. I have to tell you, I tried Stitch Fix and I love it. Oh my God, this is so fun. Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service. What's fabulous about it is that it finds and delivers clothes, shoes, and accessories that will fit your body and budget and lifestyle. All you have to do is go to stitchfix.com slash Kim and you tell them your sizes, what styles you like, and how much you want to spend on each item because that's important. You'll be paired with your very own personal stylist who will handpick items to send right to your door. And I love this. You try them on, but you pay only for what you want to keep, what you really like, and then just return the rest. Shipping, exchanges, and returns are always free. There's no subscription required, too. 
Stitch Fix's styling fee is only $20, and this is applied toward anything that you keep from your shipment. It's so easy to get set up. I can't wait to get my first box. Get started right now at stitchfix.com slash Kim, and you're going to get an extra 25% off when you keep all the items in your box. You have to try this out. It's so great. Stitchfix.com slash Kim. Okay, we're back here with Dr. Taniguchi talking about gut health and how it connects to cancer. Hey, Colin, here's something interesting. A doctor put one of my editors through some very expensive tests and told her she had, quote, unquote, a gut bacteria. Ooh, so that doesn't sound good, right? Like, oh, I'm sorry to tell you that you have a gut bacteria. All right. So my editor, she's actually really smart. She bought a bunch of supplements from this guy's website. Needless to say, the supplements didn't do anything. She didn't feel any better. She didn't feel any worse. So let's talk about supplements. Are they a waste of money? So I'll say that I think some supplements are well-intentioned and some supplements are snake oil. But if you understand what the microbiome is, it's, a, it's an ecosystem, kind of like a, a rainforest, right? A rainforest has got lots of different plants and animals and, uh, you know, if you want to affect it in a way that's good, you want to put in a variety of different flora and fauna to help preserve it. The supplements that you get over the counter are basically a type of bacteria that happens that you could grow, then you could dry down and put into a pellet and give to people without making them sick. So none of those have ever been shown to actually improve human health. The role of those bacteria that are sold as these gut supplements has never been proven to, to help anyone. So as of right now, I would say that most of these supplements, these gut bacteria that you can buy, are not going to be very helpful. So as we are all taking more and more antibiotics, right? Yes. How does that affect the microbiomes? Well, the antibiotics kill bacteria, and they are targeted against the bad bacteria that cause disease, but they also affect a lot of the good bacteria in our guts. So that explains some of the side effects that you might feel, some of the gastrointestinal side effects. They're caused by the killing of our good bacteria as well. There are actually some conditions that happen after you take antibiotics where you can get a super infection because you've killed off so much of the good bacteria, such as C. difficile colitis. So C. difficile is a type of bacteria that grows when a lot of your good bacteria have been killed off by antibiotics. And it can be a very, very serious infection. It can lead to death in some instances. So when we start talking more about gut health and cancer, is there anything that our audience should know? I mean, any human interest stories, anything that you can share? You know, there is a, there's just a whole lot of very interesting research. One, we still don't know how the microbiome affects cancer if anything at all. There was a really fascinating study at Harvard where they looked at the microbiome in colon cancer. And the fact that you would find, and they could find bacteria in colon cancer specimens, which is not surprising because colon cancer grows in the colon and there's bacteria in the colon. What was surprising was that when the cancer spread from the colon to the liver or other parts of the body, they found the same gut bacteria in the cancer that had spread. So these bacteria that are normally in the colon, they could find within the tumor in the liver. Now, we don't know if it's the bacteria helped the tumor to spread or if it was just hitching a ride with the cancer, but it's extremely fascinating. So there's 
a whole bunch of research on that. I think the other thing that patients would want to know is, is there anything that I can do to my diet that might help, sure. help me when I'm getting treatment? So the one thing we do know this, uh, is that the more diverse your microbiome is, the more diverse your ecosystem, the stronger it is. So we still don't completely understand what makes people's microbiome diverse, but we know that eating fruits and vegetables helps a lot. Drinking coffee, drinking tea, even a glass of red wine. So you've probably got a great microbiome, Kim, <laughs> based on that. Well, I'll tell you, that's, I mean, yeah. there's a pickup line for you. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you've got a great microbiome. I'll bet you got a great microbiome. <laughs> we'll have to see that for introductions in the future. I think so. But, but yeah, it's an area of study we're looking at right now, uh, how we can make our microbiome more diverse to make us more healthy. Uh, so there's just a ton of studies going on right now. It's very, very exciting. Now, eating that diet, like, you know, lots of vegetables, beans, fruit, right? Whole grains, I would say, and also probably a plant-based diet. Not too much processed foods, if any. I try not to eat any processed foods. No artificial sweeteners. Now, when we start thinking about that diet, and again, thinking about how amazing the body is, wouldn't that be the diet that we would have had when we first walked on Earth? So, you know, that could be a whole other podcast about diet. And there are people who talk about this all the time. But, uh, you know, there are actually a couple of diets out there, like plant-based diet, the so-called paleo diet, where eliminating processed foods. It does make a whole lot of sense, doesn't it, that when you eat foods that are whole, that are real, that aren't synthetic, that your body feels better and it makes you healthier. It just makes a whole lot of sense. I think the reason it hasn't been studied is it's, it's hard to study diets in, in humans. You have to basically buy food for people. You have to control what people eat, which is kind of a hard thing to do. But I think that would be a great area to study. I'll bet anything that the diet that you just described would probably help people in all sorts of diseases. So what's the next step in your research? Weren't you working on something called hypoxia? Yeah, we are working on hypoxia, and we're studying how hypoxia can affect both response to radiation, how hypoxia affects actually our, our microbiome. So hypoxia is low oxygen levels. So oxia means oxygen, hypoxia means low. And we think that there are certain instances where having low oxygen can be helpful and some where it can hurt uh, your body. And it's, a, it's always finding a balance that way. So that's an active area of research for us. So we're trying to bring together the fields of of hypoxia and the microbiome. So I think in the next couple of years, you'll be seeing some exciting stuff, not only from us, but from other scientists in the field. So Colin, let me ask you a personal question. Sure. Why do you do what you do? It's to have meaning, uh, to have meaning with my life, to know that I've been very blessed. Uh, I grew up in a pineapple field in Hawaii, we grew up in, you know, that's where we're listening to your show. Our, we had a, we're listening in a suburb where there were pineapples. And I worked hard, but I've had a lot of breaks in my life. And I've had the, the opportunity to, to study with amazing people and learn great things. And uh, I realized that I had a talent for science and medicine. And I want to make sure that my life contributes to a, a better world. Um, and I felt that through cancer research uh, and patient treatment, exactly what I'm doing here at MD Anderson is going to help me do that. So I essentially have my dream job right now where I get to wake up excited every day 
knowing that I'm, I'm making a difference. Which is the real reason why I think all of us should be here, right? I mean, yeah. to have a positive impact and to leave some type of legacy behind us. Did you always want to be a doctor? Uh, I, I did. I did. I was one of those kids that uh, I always wanted to be a doctor, but I will say I, I didn't know what kind of doctor I wanted to be. Um, there was a, a long period where I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon because I wanted, because I, I love sports and I want to be the orthopedic surgeon because they, they fix up athletes and they get to go with the sports teams. Um, but once I got to medical school, I, I realized that, you know, I kind of liked pipetting a little bit more than fixing bones. So, uh, <laughs> after that, the rest is history. But, uh, um, and, and then actually even radiation oncology came a, a lot later, uh, in, in my journey, um, I thought for a while I was going to do internal medicine and maybe gastroenterology or, or endocrinology. And then uh, my brother became, he was diagnosed with testicular cancer, it was an advanced testicular cancer. Um, and he, he got through it. He's uh, doing well now, but there was a Good. period where he wasn't doing very well. And that was when I got to see oncologists in action. I got to see the surgeons and the medical oncologists and the radiation oncologists all working together. And that's where I knew that was that was where I want to be. And uh, here, here I am now. I, I never could have imagined that coming from a pineapple field, essentially. Really? Uh, that, you know, yeah. uh, and now I'm at the greatest cancer center in the world helping folks doing research. So uh, I, I feel very blessed every day. What a great journey that is, though. This is so much fun. Thanks, Colin. Are there certain foods that you should be eating to fight cancer? I'm a huge believer with what you eat is directly tied to how you feel, right? Okay, stay with me on this. But first, we need to acknowledge our faithful partners because they help make these Commando On Demand podcasts possible. Okay, welcome back. I'm a huge believer with what you eat is directly tied to how you feel, right? For example, I haven't eaten red meat since I was, geez, I don't know, maybe 17 or 18 years old. Ian likes to refer to me taking Kim bites of certain foods. A Kim bite is about, mm, I don't know, the size of your fingernail. And that could be something like from a brownie or a piece of chocolate. I eat at least two pieces of fruit a day, all organic, all the time. I eat raw fish a couple of times a week. I only drink smart water. Why? Because it has electrolytes. I know. It's crazy. But the new thing that I love, oh, if you haven't tried this yet, is hot cinnamon spice tea. Oh, my gosh. Monica, who helps us put these podcasts together, we're like totally addicted to it. But let's talk about foods that could help you fight cancer. All right. We know that apples can help reduce inflammation, cardiovascular disease, and certain infections. But what about berries? Okay, berries have antioxidant properties too. And we keep hearing about blueberries being called the superfood. Well, that's because of their anti-inflammatory effects that could prevent the growth of some cancers, including breast cancer. I have to tell you, I really wasn't all into my health. I've just always wanted to maintain a certain weight. As a matter of fact, when I put these jeans on this morning, I thought to myself, I have a picture of myself wearing these jeans when Ian was about three years old. Okay, he's 18. When my mother was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer about a year ago, of course, you may know she's lived with me for over 20 years, is that as her primary caregiver, I also became her primary nutritionist. 
and I really took a deep dive into cancer and I took a deep dive into foods. When she was going through chemotherapy and she couldn't keep anything down, a protein shake, of course, was the way to keep her caloric intake up as well as her vitamins. I also learned at this time that carrots and chemotherapy go together. There's something going on with chemotherapy and carrots that makes the chemotherapy more effective. Carrots, of course, you know, they're rich in beta-carotene, which supports the immune system. It's also believed that it may prevent certain types of cancers. Okay, next on our list are vegetables. I know, I hate vegetables too. But I have learned to really like cauliflower rice. Kale, the first time I tasted it, it was like, ugh. Okay, but you know what? It's okay, especially with some balsamic vinegar. So you want to eat your broccoli, your cauliflower, and your kale because they have anti-cancer properties. Next on our list, salmon. Oh, I love salmon. And it's a fatty fish. But it's also rich in vitamin B, potassium, omega-3 fatty acids, all of which are great for fighting cancer. And you know how that goes. Beans, beans, good for your heart. The more you eat them, the more you fart. The more you fart, the better you feel. So eat your beans at every meal. Okay. Well, one study suggests that people who add a lot of beans to their diets have a lower risk of colorectal cancer and breast disease. And finally, walnuts. I know it sounds crazy, but if you were to walk into my kitchen at any given moment in the candy dish, you are not going to find candy. You'll see walnuts. I know I sound like the food Nazi. By the way, that's what my mother calls me. All nuts show cancer-preventing properties, but apparently walnuts are the best, especially when it comes to breast cancer. Now, I have one last diet tip, and it has to do with sugar. When my mother was diagnosed with cancer, I'll tell you, I cut every inkling of sugar out of her diet. Sugar feeds every cell in our bodies, including cancer cells. That's a quote from MD Anderson's website. Sugar may not necessarily cause cancer, but it definitely causes weight gain, and that's what can also lead to cancer. So definitely limit your sugar intake. Natural sugars, though, like molasses and honey, well, they have antioxidants that may actually help prevent cancer. Wasn't this an eye-opening podcast? I'll tell you, we had a great time putting it all together. Just remember, any podcast like this one, it's not intended to take the place of a treatment that your physician has already deemed necessary. But hey, if you have your very own transformation story, especially in the answer of cancer, I'd definitely like to know about it. Special thank you goes out to our guest, Dr. Colin Taniguchi, for his amazing, courageous work in the fight against cancer. You can contact him, plus learn more about the latest cancer treatments available at mdanderson.org. And a big shout out to the production team. Well, it's a long list. It definitely takes a village. Mike and Monica, Vicky and Noel, and Sandra for making everything work so smoothly. And hey, if you were inspired by this podcast, don't hide it. Share it. You never know who might need to hear this message on this very day. You know, sharing impacts lives and it gives people hope. And if you want even more content, get it now by becoming an exclusive Kim's Club member. It's an all-access pass to everything we produce over at commando.com. You can learn more right now at getkim.com. I'm America's digital pro, Kim Commando, reminding you that we're all on the same team when it comes to fighting disease and cancer. We all know someone who's suffering from cancer, Alzheimer's, autism, or some other difficult illness. There's no easy solution. So let's keep the communication lines open. No man is an island, as they say.
tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.